0: Welcome to another edition of Practical Reliability Insights on the Practical Implementation of Holistic Reliability, brought to you by Reliability X, the DNA of Success.
1: I'm George Williams, and with me is Joe Anderson. (laughs) We are talking today about implementation strategies or how to get started or, you know, what's my first step and how do I, how do I implement the planning process in my organization? Uh, so when I think about the implementation of planning, I guess the first thing you need to do is uh, realize that you should have a planner or the planning process, right? You, you, oh, yeah. And we talked earlier in, in one of our segments regarding the value of planning. So let's assume that you've made the decision at this point. We're going to get started.
0: What, what do I got to do? Well, first, you need to get them some training. So we can help with that. If you visit our website at www.reliabilityx.com or send us an email at ask at uh, We can get you more information there. Uh, but, you know, ordering books, sending people books, whatever, sending them out to training. Of course, you have your class at uh, University of Wisconsin um the planning and scheduling class i think it's a good place to start um so once you start to identify um or you get them trained i guess the time is to start um, identifying if you have a backlog um if not uh, you got to start uh, your requirements on putting everything on work orders uh, taking your pm inspections and and uh, creating follow-up work orders or whatever to start generating a backlog. Without a backlog, you can't plan. Um, So you can start there.
1: And what if it – so I'm an organization. Should I – you know, let's say I have 20, 30 people in my organization. Should I immediately scale to what what I need from a planning and scheduling standpoint? Should I pilot it someplace? Because there's going to be, you know, conflicting – uh, the the whole change management piece has to occur, right? The mm-hmm. the the whole change curve has to occur for the technicians and for the supervisors and even the planner that you hire. So, you know, should they should they go all out and, and hire everybody and, and and start big, or should we pilot this and and see where it goes?
0: I guess it depends on how much confidence you have, but <laughs> I would start small. No, you always start small, right? Um, Trying to go from zero to hero overnight never works. You always start small, maybe pilot it in an area where you can focus on just a few mechanics um, and then prove out um, the efficiencies and and develop a system and a process in order to implement to gain those efficiencies. So I'd probably start there, um, and then you can scale it up from there. The other piece is... It's unrealistic when you're starting out to try to schedule 100% of their work. Um, So, again, start small, a few jobs here, a few jobs there. um, And then start developing job plans uh, based on those tasks. Take a common task is probably the easiest way. Um, A a common PM that's done or a, a common work order that's done over and over again and develop a job plan with a task list to that. And then just continue it from there.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's really good advice. And and starting small allows you to capture well. What's the what's the planner need that he doesn't have? You know, uh, are the drawings a mess? Do we not have any documentation? And then you can make decisions on whether you do or don't want to go down the path of getting all those things. Um, but when you start small, then you can identify well. How much time does he need to build a job plan library? And how much time does he need to build a bill of material list? If the this those things don't exist today. And then you can kind of scale your success and how much, how many, how many technicians that planner can plan for based on what that workload looks like. Mm -hmm. If the planner's coming in and you've always had great engineering turnover packages, like everybody, right? I mean (laughs) everybody has (laughs) those. Everybody has those. Yeah. And and when everything's in good place, you know, 15 to 1, 20 to 1 sounds like a good ratio. But if if your CMS is a mess and you're hoping that the planner or going to charge the planner with Building all the bill materials, building all the job plan library, building, you know, creating the database that'll allow him to plan for 15, 20 people. Maybe initially he needs to plan for five
0: or you know, right. 10, right? Yep. You're going to overwhelm them. And, and then you you smash everything, you know, you crush it, everything. Um, so you got to start small and grow it from there.
1: And where are you at on, uh, you know, should this be a formal project plan? Should this be, a, you know, a, a steering team managing this? Is, you know, how how do you, how do you control what's happening on the planning side and, and, and make sure that it's successful?
0: Yeah, I wish there was a recipe, but that's a depends question as well. Because I, knowing uh, most of, at least from my background, most of the places I've worked for, um, with the leadership team that we had, that would have been a waste of time anyway. So it would have been me um, setting him down, setting goals and expectations and trying to stick him to it. Um, if you have an organization that has great leadership and they're disciplined and, and can do those things, then yeah, um, you could have a steering team meeting or something to try to help guide him. Um, but like I said, I've, I've never really seen that before. So,
1: so I guess, that it, you know, if, if the common industrial approach or or, uh, organization is not set up for managing it to that level, how do we make sure that the planning aspect is successful? So a planner is going to come in and a company is going to say, okay, yeah, we want a planner. We're going to go down this planning and scheduling path. We have 40 technicians. We're going to hire one guy. And you and I know he's not going to be successful if he's planning all 40. Mm Mm-hmm let's say he plans for 10 and he starts to gain efficiency you know in order for them to realize well now i can have a second planner which is what i'm going to need to manage 40 people or maybe even a third how how are they going to prove out and is it the planner's responsibility to prove out the effectiveness
0: no it's a planner's responsibility to be effective but it's the, I would say the maintenance manager or supervisor, depending on your hierarchy, um, it's their job. It's their job to sit them down, denote the time, set up a schedule, stick them to the schedule, and, and follow up with them all the time. Where you at on this, where you at on that, you know, why aren't you building job plans right now on your calendar should be building job plans, you know. Uh, doing some of that follow-up and making sure they're sticking to it. And if there's any struggles... It's your job as a maintenance manager to either guide them or remove the obstacles or whatever so that you can see it uh, to fruition.
1: And that's, a you know, lots of great points. And if you're a maintenance manager listening to this podcast, do not underestimate what a planning position can do for you. It can find free resources. Mm-hmm. You, you mathematically let let's just take so industry average is twenty five to thirty five percent wrench it, time. It can right?
0: double your resources. <laughs> right,
1: yeah. right. So if you're twenty five to thirty five percent wrench time today, and a planner can plan for fifteen people and get them to fifty percent wrench time you've essentially increased your wrench. Let's say you started out at 25, you end up at 50. You've done a 50%, you know, a 100% increase in your, your wrench time mm-hmm. and your effectiveness uh, it skyrockets. I mean, you get done, you know, if you have 20 people, you're getting done the amount of work that 30 people would get done in a normal scenario or 40 people would get done in a normal scenario. So, you know, don't underestimate that and don't cut yourself short trying to find the head count. I would say, you know, moreover, you you don't find the headcount, you create a planner position Ooh. out of the headcount you have.
0: You sacrifice the headcount for the greater good. Right? right.
1: And then when he gains that efficiency for the next group, when you pilot it and he takes ten guys and he can get those ten guys doing fifteen guys worth of work, eventually they're gonna run the backlog out. And I've done this in the past. They're gonna run the, the backlog out and at that point you can convert a position to a planner to take on another group of people
0: well and, the other thing too is you can free them up to do other things you know that's the way that i always started my reliability program right with with my condition monitoring and everything is i would get really good at planning and then i have five headcount that not to say you don't need them but you reuse them somewhere else so three of those i took and you know, I make a reliability technicians. I start training them on the PDM technologies. And then the planner's overwhelmed with working with my reliability techs, developing routes, getting them in the system and all that stuff. So he has a lot more work to do. The other two, I use them maybe a bench mechanic or um, maybe one guy is, if you're a multi-craft organization, you know, I always would like focus Got one guy on, say, automation. Uh, where we didn't have automation department. We had we were, you know, multi-craft, so we had to know a little bit about everything. So I'd start focusing more on those disciplines, the areas that were hurting me, and uh, utilizing the resource.
1: Yeah, and, and I have the exact same story. I mean, in the early 2000s, in the organization I was at, and I was the actual planner in, I guess, 2001 into 2002, uh, we ran two groups completely out of work. So it, they had never had the planning position before. I was really the first planner um, in the organization. We ran they had 46 people on site. We only had one planner, uh, but I was focused on a specific area and we not we had two groups completely run out of work. And we were able to reallocate our headcount to the areas that where the backlog was either growing or was just excessive. Uh, and then at the same time, we ended up, we hired a RCM technician, uh and then i ended up leaving the planning role and ended up responsible for the reliability at the site but that's you know you find free resources mm-hmm. you don't, you don't your overall headcount doesn't go up and maybe it even goes down i've done that as well in the past um but you end up being able to expand your reliability approach and I, and truly create an organization that can drive holistic reliability simply by Gaining the efficiency of the technical staff.
0: Right. We touched on it before about gaining control, right? And most organizations are reactive and they're in a vicious cycle. You want to break the cycle, you implement planning. Start gaining control of your department, freeing up resources, you know, allocating them other places. You know, the uptime goes up. Everything is looking good for you as long as you do it effectively.
1: Yeah, and 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 when we rolled out the planning regionally, we had uh, about two hundred head count at five facilities. We were able to get the head count down to one hundred and thirty-two, one hundred and thirty-two, from two hundred. So we knocked sixty-eight head count out of uh, out of two hundred, and and those people were either reallocated. So we ended up with four planners at one site, and three at another, and three at another, and two at another, and. Uh, or through attrition. So we offered early retirements. We you know when people ended up leaving, we didn't hire back. Uh, but over about a three year period we were able to drop uh, 68, 68 out of 200. Yeah, I'm percent. glad you
0: touched on that because a lot of people think that if we plan well, I'm gonna lose my job and that isn't the case. That's not what you're trying to drive. The point is is reallocation to a need. Or just don't replace uh, through attrition. Yeah,
1: well, and not only that, but we also we took on work we didn't used to do. Right. So, uh, more capital project work ended up in the hands of the technical staff to to do equipment installs and equipment repl- basic equipment replacements and things of that nature that we used to just have to outsource.
0: Well, that's popular with the unions too, right? Is you're bringing your outsource stuff in-house now and... and- those people uh, are provided more work and then you
1: you know if you're if your finances are set up appropriately your maintenance folks become a co- become an actual you know uh, 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 a profit center so yeah. they're able to charge the capital project a higher rate than what they you know internally charge to do a work order so you can bill at a higher rate because you would have outsourced it at X yep. so you bill out at X meanwhile the maintenance budget's making money for tools and training and other things because mm-hmm. The capital projects are paying for the labor coming out of your staff. Right, right. Okay, so you've you've put in a planner. You've <clears throat> decided to pilot it. It's it's you've decided to pilot it. It's working. Um, you you now need to either expand or or um, grow the program, so to speak. God, I hate the term program. You, you're now changing the way you do business, mm-hmm. and so. What's the next step once the pilot is successful?
0: It uh, depends on the identified workload, but normally, like you said in your scenario, if you have 40 guys, you've got to get another planner, right? And you've proven that it works, so taking the headcount shouldn't be that big a deal. Um, and then you launch from there. The other piece um, that we got to go back to, though, is documentation of the process. And you know uh making sure that when this next planner does come on, they're effective and efficient right away instead of having to learn from all the mistakes and and things that occurred during the reign of the first planner so um and then streamlining those processes. but then from there uh you know you you work to um plan more work for the individuals that you have, um, which, you know, it's not going to be 100% for 40 people right away, but you start expanding it, becoming more efficient, just working towards it. Uh, Yeah,
1: and I think even if you have, even if you're able to hire enough planners to manage the people that you have, ultimately, it's probably still... A, at least a three year journey yep. to, to begin to see the efficiencies yep. and for the planners to create a big enough library to be effective at their job in terms of um, the management of the workflow. And I think, you know, you touch on a couple of key points. Certainly document your process, do an as is process map, mark it up, do a, you know, a, a 2B process map, and then that, you know, Again, if you're the maintenance manager listening to this podcast, always work the process. Mm-hmm. Do not deviate the process to make a number, right? You've got to work that process, and if it's not right, go back and figure out what's broken inside the process. Yep. If, you know, and I can't stress this enough, a, a vast majority of our failures in this field are related to people trying to do workarounds around the process. Always. And if they work their process and identify the improvement and make the changes to the process, they'd be in a much better world. Right.
0: Unless it's a worker onto to a CMMS. <laughs> <laughs> dreaded, but that's due to... The dreaded a, CMMS. So that's due to a lack of capability. Now they... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: So, okay, so we've we've gone through the process. We're seeing success. I would say the other piece of advice I have at that point is to barter. Don't ever let your boss know how many headcount you're gaining in the efficiency side. Always go to your boss and say, look, I need a, an RCM technician or I need a, a pr- predictive maintenance technician or a lubrication route person. And then let them say, no, you can't have the headcount. And you say, well, if I can get all the work done and I can still get this done, can I transfer a person? And then you transfer the person because they'll likely agree to that. Mm -hmm. Don't go to them and say, hey, look at how many people we don't need anymore because we're being more effective and more efficient because the first thing they're going to ask for is it back, right? You're not trying to give it back. You're trying to grow your organization and grow your capabilities and your skill sets in the organization. And maybe once in a while you do have to give it that, hey, look, I gained four people in efficiency. I want, you know, two lubrication route people and a and a vibe guy to collect data and I'll give you one back.
0: Right? Are I mean, you that's talking the whole from barter. the standpoint of a planner? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying if you, you know, because as a maintenance manager, gains, yeah, as a maintenance manager, you don't ask permission for anything. You restructure your department the way you see fit. Well, I'm saying if you wanted a head count. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You just do it. They hired you to be the professional. Yeah. Don't go seeking permission. You just do it. You know, I mean, when you bring up anything, you're always going to be told no. All you're going to tell them is, listen, we've become very effective at planning. I'm going to reallocate this one guy and we're going to do this because this is our weakest point. Here's the data. Let me show you. Yep. And what are they gonna say? No, you can't do that? I mean no you know?
1: No. I never underestimate illogical thinking.
0: I understand. But if I'm not <laughs> if I'm not adding any head count, there's there's nothing lost. <laughs> Yeah, right, yeah. yeah you yeah, start yeah. bringing up headcount, right away; they're defensive. Yeah, I hear
1: sure. you, but I'm sure there's a thousand listeners right now that hopefully that uh, yeah. that that are saying, "No, my boss would still push back and yeah. still figure out a way." To, you know, I would so say it's gotta, the way that you're selling. But right. you're right, though. You you've got to sell it. You've got to know who your yeah. audience is and how to talk to your audience yeah. and, and sell it that way. Yeah. All right, awesome. So you you've reallocated resources. You're putting things in place. Uh, at that point, you should, you know, you, you, hopefully you're at a point three years away where you have standardized lo- job plan libraries. You've got the classification attributes filled out for your equipment. You've got, um, bill of materials lists, uh, associated to the equipment. It, you know, the, the key points of the implementation process is it goes beyond just plan the next job. Right. It really goes into build the BOMs, build out your classification attributes. Make sure you don't have duplicates of spare parts in your CMMS, all the things that create the efficiency. And and I guess the, the, the other key point I want to bring up is everybody needs training in the planning process, yeah. including the technicians. Of course. They have to understand that they are going to get a schedule and they have to work the schedule. If they do the easy jobs first and then they're bouncing back and forth all over the plant, you don't gain the benefit of scheduling things by logistics. And so they also need to understand what the what the reasoning for planning and scheduling
0: is. It's an easy sell to the technicians, especially when you start kidding. Oh, yeah. Our job is to make your job easy. Yeah, period. right. And it's yeah. like, I'm going to give you all the parts, all the permits, everything that you need. All you got to do, do is go out and do some work. Right, and we have five things on the boiler. I'm giving you all five, so you That's don't right. have to leave there today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all over that. They're gonna help you all the true can. story. True story.
1: So at at BMS, the first time, I guess at BMS, the first time we rolled out regional training for planners, I had I had moved from a, a localized position, and I was responsible for this regionally. We go to a site, uh, and it's an R&D site, and we we. We show up and we're in an auditorium, and there's this particular site has about a hundred technicians. We go to the site and we're gonna deliver the training, and I'm, I walk into the auditorium and it's packed with people, and I'm coming down the steps, and a guy goes, ah, uh, "Here we go again. Asset Care is gonna tell us how to do our jobs." <laughs> this guy was the that that gentleman was the ceiling tile changer. <laughs> like literally, he had 25 years experience cutting squares that were two foot by two foot right and right. <laughs> cutting a couple of holes in them putting a the discussion plate in and hanging them up but anyway so so we get we delivered a training and you know uh, the site's really against it and they don't really want planning and scheduling uh, about three years later when that organization outsourced the maintenance staff and they weren't able to kind of keep up with that work we went back um well i, I used to go to the site a lot but Several times going back to that site, the technicians come, can't, had come up to me personally and said they wish they were being managed and in the planning and scheduling process that we had implemented during that time. And and while a lot of things inside reliability are cyclical, we do the right thing and then we don't do the right thing. We happen to be on a downswing. Um, but they they appreciated the fact that they had structure and that every day they knew exactly what they had to do and that their parts were there and and. And, and, you know, it, for uh, uh, folks that were in the company for 25, 30 years, a unionized facility, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, they, they, they really appreciated being inside a well-controlled maintenance organization.
0: Yeah. So then, and then when it comes to your plan for implementation, what well, you got to understand is your plan should change. The problem is, is people write a document and they tuck it away in a folder and they never look at it again, right? You should know in six months from now where you want to be, a year from now where you want to be, three years from now where you want to be, but constantly updating the plan. That's how you get better, right? So you take this plan and you post it in the shop and say, we wanted to achieve this in six months. We did it in four. Great job. High five, right? But this is the one year plan. Now we need to focus here, right? The problem is, is people write out a plan, and then they never revisit it again. Even individual development plans, is the same thing. You know, we develop these plans, and no one goes back and looks at them again.
1: Yeah, good point, good point.
0: All right, so I think uh, this
1: kind of wraps up our our,
0: uh, generic
1: uh, implementation strategy. For Joe Anderson, I'm George Williams. Go make
0: tomorrow better than today. For questions on this or any other topics, email us at ask at reliabilityx.com. This has been another episode of Practical Reliability brought to you by Reliability X, the DNA of success.